Let me just get this to the, to the right place. And so th this lesson tonight, we call it Christian life, the warfare. So let's talk about it. We said Christian life is that time period from when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior until you go to be with the Lord. Either that you die and to be absent from body is present with the Lord, or he comes in the clouds and the dead in Christ rise first. We who are alive and remain to be caught up together with him. So when you think about it, how amazing that really is. When we think about the church, we always say, well, here's the church, the body of Christ. We're gathered and scattered, gathered to worship and to be trained and scattered to evangelize and serve and all of those things. But then we start thinking about the Christian life. And, you know, people, it's not a thing that everybody really talks about. In fact, it seems like most people want to emphasize that the whole purpose of being a Christian is evangelism, not necessarily growing to be like Christ. So we want to talk about it. I put the very first thing up there, says this, that the Christian life are the, is not a what? It's not a playground, but it's a battleground. We are in a battle. We're in a warfare. We're, we've got enemies. And we're, this lesson is going to focus on the battle of the Christian life. And we're going to talk about several things. And, and then we're going to highlight really one thing that's, that's probably more important than the other. That When I say more important, something that we really need to deal with. Uh, there's a battle going on. We don't like conflict. As a whole, most people don't like conflict. We don't like conflict in the church. We don't like conflict in the family. But the truth is this. We're in a big conflict right now. It's a conflict in a, in a world that's fallen, in an in enemy, uh, in the Christian life, the battle. And so when we think about it, as we seek to walk worthy or to live worthy for Christ, there's this source of the conflict. And as, as we do that, what is the source of the conflict? And here it is, and that's Ephesians 2. If you're there, you can look in your Bible. You don't have to necessarily look up here. But he basically says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, we'll talk more about that some other time. But the truth is, we come into the world spiritually dead, right? And then he says, in which we formerly walked, which is the idea of lived. We lived according to the course of this world. There's the world. According to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Who's the prince of the power of the air? That's the devil. And then in verse 3 he says, among them too we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. So in reality you see this, the, the course of the world, the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, and the desires of the flesh. So the enemy, if we want to put it this way, the source of conflict is the world, the devil, and the flesh. Now I like to look at it this way or say it this way. The devil controls the fallen world system and the world system then affects our flesh. I've had people say to me, you know, the Satan's really been after me this week or something like that. And I go, wow. So out of all the people in the whole world, he picked you to come after. Because he's an angel and he can only be at one place at one time. Now he's fast, but to say that Satan's after me would mean that he's decided I'm probably the most important person in the world at that point. So in reality, it's not necessarily Satan after us. It's Satan who is controlling a world system, and that world system affects our flesh. And so that's what we saw. We live in that. This lesson, here's what we're going to do. We could spend a lot of time talking about the fallen world. We could spend a lot of time talking about the devil. When we did a study, we did a study, uh, I can't even remember how many semesters ago, but it was on angels and demons. And so we spent a lot of time looking at good angels and bad angels. So, But what we're going to do in this lesson is talk about the flesh. And uh, let, let's be honest. I hate the flesh. I hate it. I hate my flesh. You hate yours? Does it make you do things you don't want to do? Yeah, the things you don't want to do, you do, and the things you want to do, you don't do. I mean, isn't that right? And so we're going to talk about this, and so we're going to really uh, talk about the battle that goes on inside of every believer. Let me just show you something. You've seen this drawing many, many times, and, and just the, the thought, the idea that we have a body, 
and we have a soul and a conscience. We're going to go over this more later and, and even and the flesh. And then the moment we trust Christ with this new creation, well, I just put human spirit. And then we got the Holy Spirit going on. And, and before our salvation, there really wasn't a conflict inside because this is what we were. Let me divide it. This is what we were. The moment we trust in Jesus, then all of a sudden there's a battle. We've got this, this part of us that cannot sin, and we've got God living inside, and there's a battle going on. And, and so sometimes people have greater conflict after they trust Christ than before. Because they didn't, and, and we have, I see people that, they, that they'll say, I don't understand uh, why I have these strong desires to do wrong. Now that I've become a Christian, why, why don't I want to live for Jesus? I said, well, you do sometimes, don't you? Well, yes, yeah, sometimes, but sometimes you don't, right? Well, that's because sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, right? And that's what happens inside of us. Now, uh, we're going we're gonna, to, let me show you something. If you've got your little uh, workbook, if you uh, turn toward the back of this lesson, just the back of the end of this lesson, there are two handouts at the very end of the lesson. One of them says, Christian life, the conflict. Y'all see that? And the other one says, believers are different. And if you notice, the Christian life, the conflict, the part number one says we're different. That actually corresponds to the second handout, which is the details of that. We'll get into that later. It says we're different. There's the battle. There's the victory. So when we look at this, we're going to talk about that we're different. There's a battle. And what's the last one? How do we have the what? The victory. And so there's a lot in this lesson, and we could go into a lot of detail. We won't go into as much detail as we could, but we're going we're gonna to just look at this and see how this thing fits together. So let, let's think about uh, the first aspect. And if you notice, I've got the conflict. And we start, let's start with the idea that we are different. And we are different in three big areas. Let me give you the three areas, and then we'll, we'll go into them. Here's the first one. We are in, this is, and we've seen this, and we've got this on the handout, but we've got this in your book. We are in union with Christ. We're going to talk more about it in just a second. And, and we are born again. We are a new creation. And the third thing is we have the Holy Spirit. That's what makes us different. And so we're going to look at some details in just a minute. But think about what that says. You're connected with Christ. You're a new person, and you have God in you. So how incredible is that? So let me erase this right here, and we'll, we'll look at more details in just a second. But think about what that says. We are a new person. We're connected with Jesus, and we have the Holy Spirit. We have God living inside of us. So let's start with this aspect of if we're going to have victory, if we're going to, how are we going to live? What are we like? We have to say, what, what are we like? Because before, as an unbeliever, we had a body and a, and a soul and a conscience and a flesh. And now we're different. And let's talk about it. And the very first aspect is we are now in union with Jesus Christ. Think about that. We've been placed in union with Jesus Christ. We're in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it for you. You don't have to turn there. But there's so much confusion. And I, I want to I read the verse so that you can get grasped something here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, For by one spirit we were all... all baptized into one body, 
whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, we are all made to drink of one spirit. The Holy Spirit baptized us. Now, people say the baptism of the... Have you all ever heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? For a lot of people, baptism of the Holy Spirit, especially from the charismatic idea, is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, they speak in tongues. That is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when a belief, somebody puts their faith in Christ, they are placed in Christ, in union with Christ. It says, by what, and I already turned away from it, but he says, for by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized. What does baptized mean? It, it means what? Do what? It means to what? Identify or to be in connection or be in union. He says, by one Spirit, we are all in union into one body. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you're actually placed in union in Christ. That's a key. And that happens the moment we believe. And so here's the first thing. We've been placed in the body of Christ. We've been placed in union with Christ. I want you to look at Romans chapter 6, okay? It's a famous passage. We're going to come back to this one later on in the lesson. But I want you to look at Romans chapter 6 and look at verses 3, 4, and 5 because this is powerful. I never grasped this uh, until I actually went to seminary. I'd studied the Bible, but when I, when I went to seminary, I, I saw this for the first time. And I went, wow, no, how come, how come I never saw that before? Now, we've taught this a lot, so a lot of you already know this. But let's look at Romans 6. Look at verse 3. Paul, Paul is writing, he says, do you not know? He's talking to believers. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been what? Baptized, what does it mean? In union, identified uh, into Jesus Christ, have been identified into his what? His death. We died with Christ. Is that true? That's what he just says, right? Look what he goes on to say. Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism, identification, into his death. Were we, did we, were we buried with him? Buried with Christ. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We are raised... With Christ. Notice what he says. You are identified into his death. You're identified into his burial. You're identified into his resurrection. Verse 5. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death. And we have. Certainly we'll be in the likeness of his resurrection. So the first thing I want you to see is. We died and rose again with Christ. To a new life. We died with him. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. We are identified in union with Jesus Christ. You are connected with Jesus. Where is he right now? Where is he? See to the right hand of the throne of God. Where are you? Where are you? You're seated to the right hand of the throne of God, right? Aren't you identified with him? Didn't you die and rise again with him? Didn't you die with him or bury with him or raise with him? And so what we realize is we are identified and, and uh, connected with him. We're identified with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's why the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? A new creation. And so that's what that all boils down to. So that takes us to our second idea. 
First one is we're in union with Christ. The second one, uh, by the way, we're free. listen, this is something you got to grasp. If you died and rose again with Christ to a new life, guess what? Sin, sin's power over you is broken. That means you don't have to sin. We don't have to. We do, but we don't have to. Because we died and rose again with Christ to a new life, right? We died and rose again with Christ to a new life. So if the first one is we're in union with Christ, here's the second one. The second is we're a new person. We're a new person. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. I think that's the top of your second page. We're a new, or I don't know if your pages fit the way they used to because we redid the book and everything, but we're a new person. And there's a difference between a believer and an unbeliever. Now look at the unbeliever. What do we have? The body, look, the body, the soul, the conscience, the flesh. But it says that we become a new person. We've been born again. So watch this over here. Body, soul, conscience, flesh, and the human spirit. So let's put this in right here. This is now this is now a believer, not an unbeliever, and we have the human spirit. Now, we, there's no name for it. The Bible doesn't even give it a name. The Bible says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He has made you alive. You were spiritually dead, now you're spiritually alive. That's why I just call it human spirit. You could even just put spirit. But the only reason I say human spirit is I, want, I don't want people to get it confused with Holy Spirit. Okay? So what's the deal? The deal is that you're now a new person in Christ. You have a body and a soul and a conscience and a flesh, the natural bent to sin, but you are a new person. That's why second, let me put this down, Second Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a, what? New creation. This is who you are. Listen, I, I want to throw this out, and I've said this many, many times, and sometimes we, we don't grasp it, but so many of us as Christians say, I'm just an old sinner. It's true, but that's not who we really are. We're a new creation in Christ. We don't need to go through life thinking I'm just an old sinner. I've had people say, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, that's true. That's true. But are you supposed to be stay an old sinner? No, you're a new creation in Christ. That's who you are. If any man be in Christ, you're a new creation. That's why we're supposed to live in a different way. And so here's what we find out is that we are a new person. So as you go through life, don't go over through life thinking, I'm just an old sinner. I mean, we a lot of times live out what we think. What we need to realize is we're a new creation in Christ. That takes us now to the third thing, the third aspect, and that is we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is powerful. Look, I put it right there at the bottom, the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Now, that's God. Think about this. This is your body. This is your, your soul, which relates to the world around you. This is your conscience that tells you right from wrong. This is the flesh, which is the bent to sin. This is called the old man. It's called sin within us. And over here is the human spirit, which is the new creation. 
and God, the Holy Spirit. So look at, look at this. It's getting crowded. I mean, think about what we have here. This is us, and this is you every day. We're, we're a new person. We've got the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us. And Romans 8, 9 basically says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not one of His. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, what do you not know? Your body is the what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. I always do this when we do uh, membership training. We always have everybody in the room and we start talking about things that people have always heard. And I always say, uh, uh, what's that room in there? And everybody says, what? The sanctuary. And I said, what is the sanctuary? Sanctuary is the dwelling place of God. Do you think that room is a dwelling place of God? If it is, a bunch of kids are kicking balls all over the place and running and falling down in there right now. That's not the dwelling place of God. Where is the dwelling place of God today? Huh? Us. We are. What? Do you not know your body is the what? The temple of the Holy Spirit is in you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So the, the third aspect here is the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And so what an incredible thing. Look how we're different. Look at what goes on. We're unique and different than, than we could even imagine. Now, let me tell you one other thing what's amazing. Is, is regeneration New Testament? Or was there regeneration in the Old Testament? Was, is it both? Or is, or is just regeneration being born again New Testament? Hmm? What do you say? I heard that. What did you say? It is both. It is both. Uh, what is the greatest passage in the Old Testament dealing with being born again? John chapter 3. Now you say, well, John is not Old Testament. Yes, it is. When does the New Testament begin? At the death of the testator. When Jesus died on the cross, that begins the new covenant, the new testament. So most of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Old Testament. We just we don't put it that way. And the greatest passage just about in the new in the New Testament, Old Testament, dealing with the spiritual uh, you know, rebirth and regeneration is when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus says you have to be born again. So well, just think about this. This is incredible great truths. Every one of us in this room that we've trusted Christ. I assume everybody in this room has trusted Christ. We, we all would say, listen, we, we have a body. We have a, a part, that soul that relates to the world around us. We have something that actually tells us right from wrong. It's the law written on our hearts. We have a natural bent to sin. That's the enemy we're really going to hit on tonight. We, we are a new person that, that the, the new part of us can't even sin. This is what most people don't grasp. The new creation in Christ can't sin. Okay? And then last but not least, we have God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us. Now, are you ready? Because let's go to the battle. And this is what's next. And that, this is the battle, the battle of the Christian life. We realize that we're changed, but we have a battle going on inside of us. Look at Galatians 5:17. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. They're opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. There's the battle going on, the flesh and the spirit. They're contrary one to another. The flesh, if you read Romans 7, chapter 7 and chapters 8, it basically says the flesh will never do what God wants. Never. It is, is not capable and doesn't want to. The flesh is an enmity against God. So that part of you, there's a part of you that's automatically in rebellion against God all the time. And we say, boy, that's terrible. It is terrible. But think what it was like before we had this. This is us. 
We're fallen people. So there's a battle going on. And, and uh, let me put a few things. It's the flesh against the spirit. It's the natural bent to do wrong versus the new spirit and the Holy Spirit inside of us. So we have a battle going on. I mean, if, if, you, if you go through life, you have to admit that there are times you want to serve God, right? And you get up and you're pumped and you're excited and we, you come in on a Sunday morning and, and, and we're singing some of those songs and, and you're going and, and, and the, the Word of God is taught and you're just eating it up, right? I mean, just how wonderful. And then five seconds later, you're doing, your mind says something that you, that you know is wrong and you choose to do it. Or you walk outside church and you say, that was so fun. And then somebody cuts you off in traffic and you, you do something, you know, and, and you say, gosh, I just spent an hour in church and that didn't even help. I mean, you know, so the bottom line is there's this battle going on inside of us. The battle, the battle. And look, look at this. There are two pulls. One is the pull to know and to please God. The other is to pull to ignore and rebel against God. That's what it boils down to. That's what it boils down to. One pull to obey God. One pull to disobey. And it's, it, it does not change. I've had people say things like, well, you know, the older you get, as time goes by, the flesh loses its power. Do you experience that? Have any of y'all experienced that the flesh loses its power? In fact, it seems the older I get, the flesh gets worse. <laughs> right? Are you all agreeing with me? Am I the only one that's this bad? You know, listen, I'm pretty bad. You know, I, I told somebody last, on, on, on uh, February 13th, which was not too long ago, I had my birthday. Not my physical birthday, but my spiritual birthday. 52 years. I trusted Christ 52 years ago. I said, don't you think I should be better by now? I mean, I should just be a better person, because, you know, because I've been doing it. But the truth is, I think that as you grow as a Christian, as you begin to live for God, as you begin to want to, I think the, the flesh is a natural rebellion against all of that. So I think you're going to have uh, those issues. So uh, it, as believers, we don't need to, to be shocked about the pull of the flesh. So let's talk about the flesh for a second. Let's turn to Romans chapter 7. Just flip over there. Romans chapter 7. And we're just, uh, verses 18 through 21, uh, Paul talks about the flesh. Now, uh, I, I want you to see what he says because it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. Romans 7, look at verse 18. Everybody there? Listen to what he says. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Now Paul says... And this is Paul. Let's say this is Paul. Paul says, in him, nothing good now dwells. Now, we could say, wait a minute, Paul. You got the human spirit and you got the Holy Spirit. He clarifies it. He says, I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my, what? Flesh. He said, flesh is not good. Flesh is not good. In fact, he says, for the willing is present in me. I want to do what's good. But the doing of the good's not. And then he says, for the good I want to do, I don't do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want to do. You, do you do that? I do that all the time. I say, I want to do this, but I don't. Then I say, I don't want to do this, and I do. Look what he says. If I'm doing the very thing I do not want to do, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin dwells in me. You know what he just said? When I'm sinning, it's not me, it's that. So I can tell y'all, when I sin, it's not me. It's not, that's what Paul said. And it is true. The, the new me, when I sin, that's the new me. I, I'm not sinning. It's over here. 
That's what's causing the problem. And then he goes on to say, I find this principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. Now, do you recognize the fact that you're evil on the inside? We are, right? Let me tell you, you put any of us at the wrong place in the wrong time, and we'll most likely do the wrong thing. If we're not careful. You can't ever say something like, I would never do that. You do not know what you would do. You do not know what you would do. So be careful. And so that's that's it. Look, look, uh, I want you to flip over to Galatians. Just flip over. This is Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. And in Galatians, I want you to see something here. Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to see... The deeds of the flesh. What comes out in our life when we're controlled by the flesh? Galatians 5, look at verse 19. He says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. You know what that means? The deeds of the flesh can be what? They can be seen, right? I mean, I, I can t- you can look at another person and tell if they're living in the flesh. Because look what it says. The deeds of the evident flesh, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmities, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger. Quit doing that. That's outbursts of anger. What do you mean, quit doing that? Disputes, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing. And then he says, and things like this. (laughs) That's us, right? Have you ever done any of those things? Of course you have. That's the deeds of the flesh. It's pretty powerful. James says, he talks about wisdom... uh, there's a wisdom from above, there's a wisdom from below, below, which is the world and the flesh and the devil. And we realize something, that nothing good dwells in our flesh. It will always be a part of us in these natural bodies, okay? So with that in mind, let's think about the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians six nineteen. you don't have to turn there, but that's the verse that we talked about a while ago. What do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. I want you to see... What comes out when you're controlled by the Holy Spirit? What's it called? These sins that we see are called the deeds of the flesh, right? This over here is called the what? The fruit of the Spirit. Let's see what they are. Look at Galatians again. We just got through with verse 21, which told us all the bad things. Then verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, it's not fruits. Don't say fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, what is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he says, against those things there is no law. Meaning, you can't make a law that makes that happen. You can't say, okay, everyone will have joy. There's no, it doesn't matter what law you make. It's not, law can't produce the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Wow. So look at the contrast. I don't know if I have another one. Yeah, the source of power and victory to live the Christian life is the Holy Spirit. So you see, we've got this, we've got this idea going on that you've got two different things 
pushing you all the time. You've got the deeds of the flesh, which is the bent to sin, the old man, all of this stuff pulling you this way. You've got a new creation in Christ with God, the Holy Spirit, wanting to produce in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what he wants to produce in us. If you're not in control, you can almost stop and say, obviously, I'm not what? I'm not being filled with the Spirit if I'm not in control. If I don't have joy, if I don't have peace, if I'm not showing love, if there's not gentleness or peacefulness, if, it's not, if that's not coming out of my life, I'm not controlled by the Holy Spirit. If I have anger and sorcery and jealousy and, and disputes and dissensions and sensuality and envy and, and drunkenness, that's obviously coming out of the flesh. And we're all capable of anything. All of us are capable of anything. Well, that's the battle. That's the battle that's going on. So that takes us to the last part here, which is the victory. And let me raise this point. Because when we talk about victory, we say, how do we have victory? You remember we talked about that one of the keys of the Christian life is control? That you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's the key. That's the key to growth. Well, how are we going to have victory? The victory is, is whoever controls it. So let me raise this question. Who ultimately controls how we live? We do. Let me tell you. You decide whether you're going to live in the flesh or whether you're going to live in the Spirit. I decide whether I'm going to walk in the Spirit and I'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, or I will live my life in the flesh and be contrary to the things that God has for me. And who decides that? We do. Listen, we're not at mercy uh, of the mercy of all of a sudden you just say, I couldn't, flesh just pulled me away. I mean, the flesh may attack us, the flesh may pull us, but I'm saying that you can, we can say, I, 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 I'm not going to do that. Or I'm going to walk in the. I'm going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. We can have the victory. We can either choose to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, or we can choose to to or to fulfill the desires of the flesh. Now, how long have you had the desires of the flesh? Huh? From from you're born with it, right? Some of us, I mean, I, I didn't trust Christ till I was 19. Some of you may have trusted Christ when you're five or six or eight, but none of us came into this world with the Holy Spirit inside of us unless you're John the Baptist or Samuel. <laughs> Somebody like that. But so the idea is just think about this. Uh, which one are we used to obeying? When I trusted Christ at age 19, I had no idea of any of this. All I knew is that I trusted Jesus. He gave me eternal life. I would never perish. I would be living forever with Jesus. And from that point on, I was supposed to live for him. Let me tell you what happened. I'll take just one minute to tell you what happened. I trusted Christ. I was so happy. I was so excited. I, I went to church for, you know, like for the first really time in my life. And, and it was just fantastic. And for about three or four months, everything was good. And then I went home for the summer. And uh, my mom and daddy never went to church. I actually took my daddy to church. Because they moved to this little town. I was used to growing up in Meridian, Mississippi. We had forty or 50,000 people. And, and they moved to this town that had like about 4,000 people. While I was my my you know second year of college, and I didn't want to live there because I was used to my my town, 
And yet, I, I, we went to this little church, and I took my dad in. And so everything was going good. And then I came back to school, and I, I didn't start, I didn't keep growing. In fact, some of the connections that I had, and so I began not to grow. And, and nobody taught me anything, and it's not, my, it's not their fault, it's my fault. I didn't grow, and I didn't go to church, and I think, and I began to be defeated in the Christian life. Because I'd wake up and I'd say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for God today. That's how I'd say it. And it wouldn't be very long that I'd already messed up. And there was a time I can remember lying, lying in my bed in the dorm. And I said this. I wish I had never known about all this because there's too much pressure to try to live good and I can't do it. I actually thought that. What didn't I not understand? The Christian life is not lived by me trying to live a good life. How is the Christian life lived? Walk in the what? What? Walk in the Spirit. How do you live the Christian life? Saying, I'm going to get up, I'm going to live for God, I'm going to do what's right? Or saying, Lord, I want you to live through me. I want my life to count for you. I want to know the Bible. I want to live it out in your power through me. That's the only way you're going to have victory. Are you going to be like me? I laid in the bed saying, I wish I didn't even know about this stuff because there's too much pressure to be good and I can't be good enough. Not that I thought I was not going to heaven. I knew I was going to heaven. I just said, I can't live a good enough life. As a Christian, I just can't live a good life. I sin too much. By the way, I still sin too much. But it's not because I don't know how to live. It's because I choose not to live the right way. How do I live? How do we live? We live in the power of what? Holy Spirit. Exactly right. So, let's talk about this victory. Let's talk about this victory. And I want you to, to look at Philippians chapter 2. So just turn over there in your Bibles. You've got it right there. You, can't, you don't have to turn. I'm going to turn because I like looking at Scripture. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. And it, it's a great verse, tw verses 12 and 13. He says, So then, my beloved, and this is Paul writing, just as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work of his good pleasure. When we think about living out the Christian life, it's an aspect of us saying, I'm choosing to live out who I am, but how do I do it? I do it in God's power because it's God who is at work. Think about this. The Christian life, verse 12 says, continue to work out your salvation. Now I want you to understand, it didn't say work for your salvation. I've had people come up to me and say, I thought salvation was a gift. And I say, it is. And they say, well, this says work out your salvation. I said, it didn't say work for your salvation. It said work it out. The Greek idea there is that inside of you, you're a new creation in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit. He says work this out in your life. Live out who you are as a believer. Live out who you are as a believer. That's what we're supposed to do. Not work for your salvation, but work out your salvation. And by the way, what salvation is this? Sanctification. It, many of you, if you've had some of my other classes, we remember that there's justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification is past tense, sanctification is present tense, and glorification is future tense. So when you see the word salvation, 
If it's an as past, past tense aspect, it's most likely referring to eternal life salvation. If you see salvation and it's present tense, it's almost always Christian life. Look at it. Work out your own salvation. He didn't say work for something in the future. He said work out your own salvation. It's present tense. And then there's a glorification where our salvation is nearer now than it's ever been. That's a coming. So whenever you see the word salvation, don't, don't assume that it means eternal life salvation. Don't even assume that it means a spiritual aspect. It could be a physical deliverance. In the book of James, he says you'll save a soul. You know what save a soul means? It means keep a person from, being, from dying. It has nothing to do with eternal life salvation. So be real careful when you just start pulling something out, you know. So uh, we'll see how that is. So here's the second thing. Take, it, it, take from the inside to the outside. Live out who we are. You know, one of my favorite verses is uh, the, the uh, Ephesians 4, 1. He says, uh, walk worthy of what? The calling in which you've been called. And so we'll see how that ties together. Um, there's one more here. Verse 13, God's power works in us to give us both the desire and the ability to serve Him. If you only live in this part right here, you will not have a desire to serve God. If you live in this part right here, you will have a desire to live and to serve God. So that's why He says, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both the will and the way of His good pleasure. The will and the, and the way of His good pleasure. Wow. So now we've got, we're going to get the key. Because we said, okay, okay, JB, you've told us. You've told us a bunch. You've told us that we're a new person, that we live in God. God lives into us. The Holy Spirit's in us. We're, we've been made spiritually alive. We're connected with Christ. We're all of these things. We died and was buried and rose again with Him to a new life. That's who we are. Then you've said, okay, now we got a battle going on because we've got this part of us that says do bad. We've got this part of us that do, says do good. And we got a battle going on. And, and, and he basically says, walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's what comes out in the flesh. Here's what comes out in the Spirit. How are we going to have this victory? And we've said, well, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's God who works in you. So what are we going to learn? What can we know now that's going to get us to the point where we live righteously and godly? I think there's, there's three things to remember. And here's the first one. The first one is, what is our power? It's Galatians 5, 16. What is our power? What is the power? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you've got God. You can do all things through what? Through the one who strengthens you. You've got His power. Notice He says, walk in the Spirit and you'll what? Not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now think of what that means. When you live in God's power, you won't do this. Notice he doesn't say, don't do this and you'll live in the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way. That's legalism. Legalism says, don't do this and this will happen. It does not work. Do this and we won't do that. I have to tell you a quick story. Some of you know the story, but when it's been when I was coaching at Mississippi State, I had this friend that had moved to Missouri, and he called me and said, "Hey, won't you come up and visit?" So I had a girlfriend. <laughs> it's hard to believe I had a girlfriend then. So I said, "Let's go up and visit. Let's go up and visit my friend." So we got in the car and we drove up to this little town in Missouri. And he said, "You got to see this." Now he grew. He was 
he was in the church I was in, and the church I was in is a grace church just like us that believes salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone, and the pastor taught the Bible verse by verse. So, I mean, it's just like us. So he had moved to this little town, and he said, J.B., I went to this church. you, you got to see this. And so we got in the car and we drove. And the church was sort of like a little country church. And it was back in those days. You didn't want churches in those days, right? I mean, nobody stole stuff. The church was always open. So we got out of the car. And it was one of those old churches where you walk in the front door and there's like what they call a vestibule or something. And then they had these doors that open that you go into the, the sanctuary, the auditorium, right? Okay? Well, when you came in the front door, above those two doors was a sign and it said, all those who belong to this church will not smoke, drink, dance, play cards. Go. They listed like 30 things that they would not do. Do you call that legalism? Yeah, yeah. And, and let me tell you, if I said, I'm not going to do this, you know what the flesh says? Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. If, if, the, if it says right here, do not look through this hole, what does your flesh say? I'm looking through the hole. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. I'm looking through the hole, right? And so anytime you take legalism and you say the Christian life is a set of don'ts, you'll sin all the time. In fact, the Bible says the law makes us sin. The law does. The law makes you sin. All you have to do is say, don't do that. Don't walk on the grass. And you go, nobody's going to tell me not to walk on the grass. I'll walk right on the grass, right? Because that's what our flesh does. So be careful the Christian life is not, let's don't do this. The Christian life is, let's do this. And so, we're going to see the first one is the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the bottom line is, it's not, don't stop doing something. It is, live righteously and godly in the power of the Holy Spirit, living out who we are. That's the first thing. The second thing, and so the power of the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit. The second thing is our position. Now, do you remember what our position is? Do you remember what it is? In Romans, let me just read it for you. In Romans chapter 6, here's what he tells us. He says that we died and rose again with Christ so that the body of sin might be done away with. Now, when he says done away with in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, he doesn't mean it's gone. It means its, it's power is ended over us. And then he goes on to say, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is free from sin. Did you die? When did you die? You died with Christ. You were buried and you rose again. Sin's power is broken over you. It's, it's broken. It's broken. And so the, our position is that we died and rose again. We're like, we're free from the power of sin. That's why our old self was crucified with Christ. That's why we are a new person. Let me give you the example. Okay, when I was like 23 years old, I got to go and coach at Mississippi State. And the reason I got to go is because the head coach at Mississippi State was my high school coach, and he hired me. And I was really young, but I mean, he was great, and he and I would walk to practice together. Every, I mean, we, he was just a great man. But he could say, JB, I want you to go out on the field. What would I have to do? What would I have to do? Go out on the field, right? Because he was my boss, right? Okay, let's pretend that I quit coaching at Mississippi State and I worked in an office. Could he call me and say, JB, go out on the field? Sure he could. And I could say, Coach, I'll, I'll be there in a few minutes, Right? <laughs> But could I also say, Coach, thanks for calling. 
but I don't work for you anymore, so I'm not coming. You know what the flesh says? Look over there. Look over there. Do that. And we go, okay. And we say, no, 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 you don't have to because you don't what? You don't work for the flesh anymore. You could say to the flesh, don't even start it. I don't have to listen to you. I don't work for you anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ. I died and rose again with Christ. I have a new position. My old self was crucified with Christ. So when you start telling me to do something, I no longer have to listen to you. Is that true? Why do we listen? Because we want to, right? The flesh is powerful, but we don't have to listen. And then there's the third thing. So, so the third thing is the pull. And what we got to understand is this, that the pulls come from within. Listen to this. This is Romans 6. And he says this in verse 16. Don't you know that whenever you present yourself to something as a slave for obedience, you're a slave to the one? Either of sin, which results in death, or obedience, which results in righteousness. If you present yourself to your flesh, what is the result? Death. If you present yourself to the Holy Spirit, what's the result? Righteousness and life. You can go through life dead or alive. Now, we know that the moment you sin, you die. You die in your separation of fellowship. Because death always means what? Separation. separation. The moment you sin, you're separated. It has nothing to do with eternal life because that's a relationship. This is fellowship. The moment you sin, you die. Romans chapter 8 says that whenever you sin, you die. The Bible even says as a principle, the soul that sins shall die. The wages of sin is death. We all think that only means eternal life. But no, it's everything. The moment you listen to this, the moment you present your body to the flesh, you die. And you're out of fellowship. And you're dead. And that's why you confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. And you get back into fellowship and you're back alive again. The moment you present yourself to the Holy Spirit, there's righteousness and life. And listen to what he says. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you used to present your members as slaves to lawlessness, now present your members as slaves to righteousness. We used to, since we didn't have this, we used to always live this way. Because that's how we lived. That's all we had. He says, you used to present yourself to the flesh, now present yourself to the spirit. If you present yourself to the flesh, what happens? You die. If you present yourself to the Spirit, what happens? There's righteousness and life. So what are you going to do? How are we going to live? How are we going to have victory? When we wake up in the morning, are we going to say, I don't have any control? Or are we going to say, I want my life to count for Christ. I want this body, because he talks about the body. I want this body presented to God. And I say, God, I want you to take me and use me for your glory. I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to live for you. Listen to this. You serve who you choose to serve. Romans 6, 12 and 13. Here's what he says. This is so powerful. He says, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Are you dead to sin? How are you dead to sin? 
Huh? Right, how? How come? Because you died and rose again with Christ. That's how you're dead to sin. And he says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Then he goes and says, so do not present the members of your body to sin, which results in unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as members of righteousness to God. So he says, don't do this, do this. Think about it. Don't do that. Do this. So that's the key to the whole thing. That's the key. Stop letting sin reign. We don't have to yield to the flesh. Now, it's really hard because we're so used to sinning. And we, sometimes we, we don't even think that, that we have the power not to, not to sin, but we do. Now, when you say something like this, people get upset when you say, you don't have to sin. And we say, oh, no, everybody's a sinner. I said, yeah, I know, I know. But we don't have to. If we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, will we sin? No. If we live in the flesh, will we sin? Yes. We live in the flesh, we die. We live in the Spirit, we live. Righteousness in life, unrighteousness in death. We have the choice. So, who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? The old boss or the new boss? The next time you get that pull, just think of Coach Tyler calling me, saying, JB, JB, come out to the field. And I, I could go, I, I'll be there in a minute. Or I could say, I don't work for you anymore. And when the flesh says, do this, and you say, I don't work for you anymore. I don't have to listen to you anymore. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to mess up some. But we don't have to live in failure. We can live in victory. Do you agree? What do you think? Talk to me. What do you think? We can have victory, can't we? I mean, it's terrible to walk in the flesh. But it's pulling us all the time. So we don't have to listen to it. We're, we're waiting. We're waiting for him to come get us and to change us. Philippians 3 says, Our citizenship is in heaven where we wait for him to come to change this old body to a glorious body like his. Listen, when you, when you get changed, that won't be there anymore. You'll feel good. <laughs> we'll feel better. Now, let's talk about one other thing. I said, why is it so important to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and not in the flesh? Now, let me ask you this. If you lived your whole Christian life in the flesh, are you still going to heaven? Yeah, so somebody could say, it don't really matter. Does it matter whether we live for Christ now or not? Why? Well, let's think about it. Why is it so important to live in the power of the Holy Spirit? It affects three things. Number one, it affects our testimony. Listen, if you're living unrighteously and you want to tell people about Jesus, anybody going to listen to you? No. And, and if, you, if, we, you know, if people look at you and you, you, don't look any, you don't look any different than they do, you know, think about it. One of the things we're supposed to be is people, God, 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 Jesus said, they'll know you belong to me by your what? By your what? By your love, one for another. So if we don't love, if we're not the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, if that's not coming out, if we're not touching lives, our testimony, people aren't going to even listen to us. In fact, some of them could say, why do I want what you have? You're no different than me. So it affects our testimony. The second thing that it affects, it affects our fellowship with God and others. 
Listen, when you sin, are you in or out of fellowship with God? And if you sin and you're out of fellowship with God, are you also out of fellowship with fellow believers? Yes. If you notice that when a person gets sin in their life, what's the first, one of the first things they do? They what? Withdraw. Withdraw. And all of a sudden, they're not at church anymore, right? And you know why they don't come to church? Well, first of all, they don't want to come to worship because they're out of fellowship with God. But then they don't want to be around you either because they feel guilty and they're out of fellowship. Think about that. I mean, when you get sitting in your life, you want to go see everybody? Or do you want to go kind of off by yourself and hide a little bit? I mean, when we sin, do we sin publicly or we sin in private? We try to sin in private, don't we? I mean, we don't want people to see us doing wrong, right? That's why it says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are what? Evil. That's, that's, that's us. I mean, if you said, let's go sin, we're not going to go. I mean, have you ever noticed all the places where they're, they're all dark, you know? They're all dark. Here's the third thing. The results of our, it affects the results of our lives, rewards, blessings, or discipline. Let me tell you, if we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, what will we get when we stand before our Savior? rewards. Think about it. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so, does it matter how you live now as a believer? Does it matter? Yeah, because not only our testimony, not only our fellowship, but one day when we stand before him, if we lived out of fellowship the whole time, there's not going to be any rewards. He's not going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, it's over there in the first Corinthians 3 where, where it says they'll be tested by fire. And if all that's burned up, it says you got nothing now. You still get to go in, you know, but you don't have anything. And, and listen, it, not only right now, how you live now is, affects the rewards. There's blessings, but even now there's what? Discipline. What does the Heavenly Father do to the child who, who has sin and, and is in sin? For whom the Lord loves, he what? Chastens and scourges every child he receives. So it does matter how we live. So I, I don't... You know, I, I, so choose whom you, whom you will serve. Choose. Second, live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's really, that's really what it boils down to. And so let's think about what we said. We're a new person. There's a, there's a battle going on inside. And the only way to have victory is to realize we died and rose again with Christ to a new life. The power of sin is broken. We don't have to obey anymore. So when it comes to it, we say, I'm going to present my body to the Spirit, which results in righteousness and life. I'm not going to present my body to the flesh, which results in death and unrighteousness. So we have a choice. That's why he says, well, hey, how about walking worthy of the calling which you've been called? How about walking in the Spirit? How about being filled with the Spirit? How about, you know, all the commands that tells us to flee this and run this and do that? Why does he tell If we don't have any control, why does he tell us all these things? We do. Here's our memory verse. It looks long, but it's not. 
Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you shall obey its lust. Do not go and present the members of your bodies as instruments of sin, as, in, as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Don't let sin rule your life. Don't obey it. But what you do is do, don't present yourself to sin, which results in unrighteousness, but present yourself to God, which results in righteousness. So it really really powerful all right questions anything okay let's let's uh, let's go over the quiz so we got we kind of got it but uh, what do you think about this let's stop for just a second what, what do you think about this how many of you were taught that Romans chapter 6 is the key to having victory in the Christian life besides me anybody raise your hand if you have been taught that I never heard it. I went to seminary and it was Bill Lawrence who was my professor who taught. And, and in Romans chapter 6, he says, No, consider, present. Know that you died and rose again with Christ to a new life. Consider yourself dead to sin. Present yourself to God. That's the three key words that come out of Romans 6. Know, consider, present. I never heard that either. But that's really how you have victory. That's how you have victory. Now, if I only did it, I'd have victory. And if we do it, we'll have victory.